Warren Vaughn and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 25, from September 1st, 2016, features art critic and curator Shana Nice Dambro, who brings her perspective on Kim Schoenstatt's work, Now Be Here, the gathering and photograph of L.A.'s female contemporary artists. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. What pleasure it is to have all of you here today. You know, for a lot, I've been working in this building since 2006, um, so 10 years, and mostly I thought of it as the Batcave, because no one can find it, or has been able to find it, and it would be like impossible to get to uh, for most people, so I realized that I somehow networked my life in LA to involve two places where I live and work that no one's willing to drive to. Uh, Topanga Canyon and right by here. So this is like a coming out year for me. <laughs> I have friends uh, and colleagues and people who are visiting the studio who, you know, I've lived and work adjacent to for a long time and both Osceola and Shayna have been on my radar because of our work lives being next to Chinatown. And we've all seen this area kind of change and will continue to change a lot, including the event space, the social sculpture venue, um, uh, a commercial gallery of international renown in a place that 10 years ago you would have said, no way. You know, not only would you have said no way, but the idea that there would be a thousand women who would come to that space to participate in an artist action, um, and in a way declare that courtyard independent ground that belongs to everybody by that action, which seems to me to be so much a part of the zeitgeist of this area. The back of the back of the back of the city often is. So I got lucky and I got to stand next to Shana, which is super fun, and I recognized if we had been in grade school, we would have been in trouble all the time. Because <laughs> yeah. we feed, fed off each other right away. They kept saying, say revolution, and we said sunblock. <laughs> and you could tell we were not going to stop. Yeah, it was hot out there. It was hot. So thank you, Shana, and thank you, everybody, for um, coming today to um, to the studio. All right, thank you, thank Lauren. You. Yeah, that was really fun. I mean, um, so what, what wound up happening, too, is that, and I am going to be writing something about the thing um, for, I almost said the, you know, I don't even know what to call it, because it's an event, it's a picture, it's, and then exactly like you were saying, it's also this, you know, social media version of social practice. So there's all these things, and I'm going to be writing about it. I decided to wait until the team had finished actually individually tagging the, the people in the picture um, at, at Kim's site so that, you know, everybody, I mean, it was definitely didn't suffer from a lack of coverage within, you know, hours of the thing happening. But as long as they're doing that, you know, I have a minute, like, no worries. So, and then, so what wound up happening was I knew we were going to be talking, and Basically, I don't know, it, it was like my pager started blowing up, right? It was like all of a sudden, starting Sunday afternoon, and with seriously very little abatement up to and including probably right now since I got here, this tsunami of tagging and cross-posting and commenting and, you know, the, the thing happened rather quickly, a couple of hours, a couple of snaps, but the, the sort of social media thing that's happening where people are going, I see you, I find myself, you know, I, everyone's got their, their one picture, their behind the scenes pictures of themselves with their friends or their idols that were there or, you know, and that whole sort of thing that expanded, that's still continuing to expand out from the center of it um, became something that I really wanted to take a look at and you know the comment threads and it started out super amazing that was so empowering it was so great to see everyone 
I feel like I was a part of history. I brought my daughter. I brought my mother. You know, whatever, whatever. Thank you, Paul Schimmel. Thank you, Kim Jones, dad, and her team. Thank you, you know, everybody just like, love, love, love. Thanks the volunteers, everything. And then there started to be the occasional like, wait, what is this? Wait, where was I? Wait, what is this? Why didn't, any, why didn't anybody tell me? Why wasn't I invited? Why, you know, why do I have to say I'm a, a woman? It's why, you know, and then all of a sudden, so it, I would say that it's still like about 10%. It's not like there's been some sea change. The, the overwhelming understanding is that this was an amazing historical thing and that it's as much of a gesture as a record because there were people who were taking their kids to college on the East Coast. There were people with broken feet. There were people whose trains were late. You know, I mean, like, cross-country trains, like Amtrak trains, like hours late was one comment. You know, that kind of thing. So that, of course, you know, but then you're into this idea of, and that's why we called the talk Pictures or It Didn't Happen, because even though there's an understanding that it's going to be sort of incomplete by definition in that way that all you know sort of unrehearsed public events are that there's a perception in, in a photograph like this because it's a photograph that it is complete so that there are now are starting to be little worries of if I wasn't there do I exist right and of course you know so there's these Facebook threads of no one, none of my, I guess none of my friends think I'm an artist or they would have invited me, you know, it's kind of, right? And it's funny, but it's also, you know, Kim, the organizer, takes it very seriously. I spoke to her this morning and she said she'd even noticed, um, I noticed one or two, but she had noticed several uh, groups of people who deliberately boycotted it on purpose ahead of time. So then there's the, right, I think it's funny, see, I think that's like the nuttiest, I don't even know what that is, but I, I respect their choices. Because feminism is about respecting other women's choices, but I personally, in my inside voice, think that's kind of wacky to have done that. But, okay, like, give your reasons. You thought it through. Kim would like me to share with everyone that she welcomes people who felt ahead of time that a boycott was appropriate for their own reasons to contact the press and make their position heard on that. She's not threatened, she's welcoming of that. Um, she's like, go ahead, I don't want, you know, have some presence in your absence, let that be your thing too. This was our thing, let that be your thing. She has no ill will towards people who felt that way, even though like me, she doesn't understand and did not anticipate that reaction. Meanwhile, none of that played out in the picture, right? The picture is smiling people that don't mind all being crunched up together because sisterhood, and it really was incredible on the ground being there. Somebody made a comment, it was the first time they'd been in a crowd that they didn't feel claustrophobic or like they had to watch their purse. You know what I mean, right? Like normally you're at a concert and it's like, or subway and you're like, I need to. This, it didn't matter how squished we got together, no, people didn't feel that way. And, you know, there was just, it, the energy on the ground, I'm glad I went, because I can report firsthand, was, was camaraderie and good humor top to bottom. Not to mention how well organized it was by entirely women, to say. So, but then the comparison of that to what starts to happen um, in, you know, the sort of responses and the social, social media thing that, that came after, and it's like I'm saying still, unfolding is very interesting because on the one hand there are people saying we need a do-over and it just makes me think about Brexit, you know, and people who googled what is the EU the next day. But on the other hand there's people going, oh my god, I'm doing this in Miami where I live. I'm doing this in New York where I live. And then those things will happen and be amazing, but it will always be LA that started it. And so then, you know, the loop kind of goes back to the actual experiential reality of having been there as a kind of social practice in an historic place, according, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the things that Lauren has been mentioning. And so you have this really interesting kind of um, back and forth between 
what was supposed to happen, what really happened, what people think happened, and what's happening now, you know, and will continue to kind of spread. And so um, that was kind of part of what we thought would be a really interesting conversation uh, to have today. And I know most people, I can't swear because it's crowded, but I know a lot of you of you were in that, are in that picture, were there. Probably not everyone, I don't know. Um, but I, I also am still in the middle of kind of thinking about the story that I'm gonna write for White Hot about, about it. And I really want to make sure that that includes um, as many you know different perspectives as I can get. Because even though some of them make me a little crazy when I read them um, online, um, they're all valid. They're all you know a actually held um, positions. So that was kind of the conversation that I thought um, you know we could have a little bit today. I know everybody has stuff to kind of say about it, there's another whole um, aspect to it. So I just want to say, from this point forward, if you have any observation or experience that you want to share, you're not interrupting. Just like, go ahead and do that. It's like conversation now. Uh, but before I do that, quick show of hands, who was there? Who was not there and that is like upsetting? Right? So the people that weren't there are fine with it. They're, you're here. Right. That's what I mean. Well, there, but there's people. Okay, so that's interesting to me. Every group is different. And every. And, uh, and, and part of that was, um, Osceola and I were talking last night, we about, you know, try this thought experiment. Take the word woman or female out of it, and then read the invitation back to yourself with another historically underrepresented group of your choice. Mad Lib style, and wonder if you feel like that would instigate as much fraud or what other kinds of reactions. So, for example, obviously, um, any given ethnicity, um, age bracket, immigration status, uh, annual income derived from your art practice. Um, Man, a male artist. Can you imagine if somebody did that? No. What the, I mean. So what about change the location? How would that go? So exactly. So that same shot happening at the women's building was the same. Would, would a thousand people have come? So what's the relationship between the frame? The frame of Hauser Schimmel work is not any frame. The particular frame that we stood in. So what is the nature of that frame in this discourse? Exactly, that's very interesting. The I mean, aside from it being um, big, you know, big enough, um, and uh, and Kim herself saying that she was at least, in no, you know, partly inspired by the show that they had there, um, you know, surveying monumental mid-century sculpture by women, um, and the fact that their next show is the first American show, Maria Lasnik, you know, that for what you can, you know. But um, I definitely think that there's uh, uh, some fraction of the people who decided not to go ahead of time were people who took issue with the selection of the space. That they said, I don't want to support a corporate entity, blah, blah, blah. And I think that there's this idea that, and I say blah, 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 not to be dismissive, but because we've all heard the rest of that sentence so many times that I don't need to repeat it. But as I was saying earlier, a lot of people don't know that actually the family fortune behind the Hauser Worth Empire is a, is a matriarchal fortune. It's the woman who's the head of the company and her daughter who's the heiress and Ivan who married her. And they went into business together. So I don't know if that would have made anybody change their minds if they'd known that it was lady money ahead of time. But for the record, it is. So, you know, fun fact of history. Um, but it's absolutely a valid question because then you get this idea of how you plug into the economic framework. And but then you all, you know, whereas outfits like Hauser Worth Schimmel are through their championing, doing their best to raise the prices achieved by the women artists that they're showing because that's their business model. And one complaint is women's art sells for less. 
averting desire to say there's also exclusionary participation, right? So many women don't feel that they have access to participate in an art discourse because they don't have access to that frame. So it brings up complications when you put yourself uh, into the frame with your own inner dialogue about being in the frame at all. And, and so I think there's a lot of, you know, it's yeah. not gender specific. It, it, I think all artists have to define who their audience is and what the uh, fuel they need back from their practice is to move forward. So I think that all of that was there in that site, and I think yeah. that the feminist art movement examined that a long time ago is creating the frame for a new dialogue. And so how does that dialogue relate to how well, I think, too, that there is a slight gendered aspect to it, um, just to like fight sweeping generalizations with other sweeping generalizations. But I think that if I had to guess, um, men are less likely to worry about whether they're supposed to be there or not than women, not just in the art world, in business, even maybe perhaps more so. And in other segments of our society, that's been part of the discourse of contemporary feminism has been like, why are you waiting for the invitation? You want it, go get it. That that man would not say, am I invited? They'd say, if I heard about it, I'm invited. Who wants to come? How many people, who's driving? You know, like, there'd be no question that, they, that there'd be a feeling of belonging. And of course, that's not 100% true. I, I definitely understand that. And I think that you're right, that artists as, in general, let's say, questioning sensitive people who pay attention to the nuances of social dynamics and interaction might be, you know, more likely to query that kind of access. But I do think that um, as women, that there's a, still a kind of sensitivity that surrounds the idea of having, being invited or having permission or having the right to be there. And so that's sort of like the great light and the small but salient shadow of this event. Because most people were like, yeah, I'm there. What time do you want to meet? But a lot of people clearly did not have that reaction to finding out about it. Or they found out about it, but they considered uh, you know, too late you know, to participate. Or they took exception right from the get-go because it is such um, uh, such a place of uh, even though that is a public courtyard with free Wi-Fi where they want people to sit and read that they know can't you know it still is one of the fanciest places on earth right so there you go and you definitely have that dichotomy and so I think you know what I what I'm loving is that now we live in this instant culture the picture happened the picture went viral but I think the real thing of the picture is actually this that's happening now and the very many different um, individual responses to this happening at all that we're starting to see kind of come out as people are expressing themselves mostly through social media which is of course social practice whether you like it or not right yeah i want i just wanted to say that i hope that whoever writes about it um, does take a more political in writing because, you know, from my experience, I heard about it very fast and it was fun. And I saw people that I would never drive to see. And I'm not saying that I didn't love that. But I'm also saying that since I do couple kind of gorilla artworks myself, that I was thinking, well, gee, why didn't I bring a sign that said 30% artists in Kaiser Blue Court? But what if five people had brought a sign that said the gallery, something about the gallery, the under undervalued? You know, the under-representative of women in the arts. And I think that in a broader perspective, that's what this is really about. I mean, it, yes, it was a great event, but the subject of what are we really talking about here, we're talking about gender under-representation on all levels, whether it's Hauserworth or wherever. So I think that, um, you know, I think that the sculpture show, the women's sculpture show was a good start but it's only going to help Hauser work in the end. So, you know, I think it is very important to remember this was a political event. Um, as a social sculpture, I'm a little bit, 
I'm weighing that. I don't know if I call it a social sculpture yet. In my in my definition of social sculpture or social practice, I, I really don't know yet if it fits that frame. But I get it that the frame is very broad. But usually, in my experience, of a social sculpture, um, and I did work with Joseph Boyce actually in Germany. Um, there is always a social context, a political context, a reason. And when, yeah, he, you know, when, when images are put into the media or to social, into any kind of what we call now the internet and every other way, they usually come with that context. And I miss that in everything that's been out there. Is this picture? It's kind of a. I know it sounds weird to say that, but kind of a picture with women holding up their numbers. Is can be seen in a very weird way. I'm not sure. Yeah, the pic. I mean, the numbers are to enable accurate tagging of faces. Yeah, but that's later. the picture that everyone is kind well, of. Well, there's loving. two pictures, and that and they they the idea is that they overlay so that you can find yourself. Oh, but yeah. I definitely agree that there's something. I mean, there's a reason we put this one up instead of the one without it because there's definitely aesthetically something extra this is going on. It's much more evocative, and this gives you. Actually, this image allows for a more political, social analysis than the other one. Um, everyone's trying to find themselves, and I thought that's kind of interesting when you're in a mob of this many people. I mean, you are one with everybody. You are not your own person in a way. But anyway, you know, I am glad I came because I, I heard that we were having this talk, and I really wanted to throw in that next step. I wasn't being that political myself when I was there. I had a great time. And I'm glad it happened. But I kind of left there. I mean, you know, Nicole Heber, you know the whole gender tally thing. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way you can leave out that information yeah. in writing about this event. Right. You know, I had friends who came that were painters and, um, you know, every kind of artist in a certain way. And I think that for people who are more performance artists or installation artists or artists that work with more groups of people, it was an easier event to be in. For the painters that I talked, and I'm only speaking of my friends who are painters, it felt, you know, their painters are in a studio and they're more private and they're they're like, well, it was a little bit much and I was very overwhelmed and, you know, it was a different experience for them. And so they said, well, you seem really happy. Your tribe was there, your people were there, because I'm used to that as a performance artist. So there's all these layers that happen in this thing. And I think it's worth looking at those layers. But I want to say the last thing is, yeah, is that is. even though it's worth it, if it goes out in social media, it has to have one theme that they're really going to put out there. Because, you know, social media can only handle one idea at a time. Huh. And, and often, so the gender inequality is obviously a key thing to talk about. And all those statistics that Nicole has can be reprinted and used. And, you know, I, little, do I think that the gallery owners in New York or LA are looking at this and go, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to take number 250 and 200 to 250 and put them in the gallery? That isn't going to happen. That's not going to help. Speak for yourself. That <laughs> 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 could happen. It happened to you. you, you They've been calling her gallery. She had to turn her ringer off. You mean, who's been calling your gallery? I, I work with Kim, and I'm actually thinking about number. I want to say 627 about yeah. for your gallery. Yeah. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Because you were involved in the whole thing, right? Um, yeah, and actually, this is part of the dialogue that Kim wanted to have. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily just about her vision and her project, but this is part of her, her whole body of work evolves around the conversation that happens afterwards. I would say that's true, and you know, she did a book, the book wagon project she did when she had her show with you, was you know another thing where people are invited. It, it, it was different, but it was similar in the sense that it was she invited people to bring things that were meaningful to them, so that she created a frame and invited other people to fill it with whatever. So her, that's kind of Kim's place. No, that's a great point. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to uh, reminisce about a performance she took me to Charlotte in London that um, actually um, you can follow several events in one space simultaneously and you would be after in the sense that, what was it called? 
Yeah, it was a performance in an abandoned and and you know the follow-on to that action is that it released a lot of you know discussion, but also energy. Like both positive and negative experiences are still experiences. So the idea that generating a catharsis of any kind um, produces energy around these is, you know, I think about the way Buddhist monks, for example, physically make their arguments. Partly, even that mannered hostility creates potentiality. So one of the things that I found really interesting is the afterwave, like the like a riptide afterwave effect. Like you know, it's taken a little time from the initial wow that was fun for the kind of riptide, which is in a sense this a success and a potential thing to analyze as a critic. Yeah, is the kind of after effect of an action after the initial afterglow of, you know, we got this and we got that, which is great. It's part of it because the, the um, impact was strong enough to be felt by people who are arbiters of what's happening in the world. Right. That was a symbolic um, purchase of concept in a way, saying we really buy this. Yeah. But the after effect is just beginning to have that effect. After effect is good. I've been trying to figure out a word because you know, sort of um, aftermath has a negative connotation that I did not want it. I, mean, uh, I would call it cultural capital or uh, social capital, and I think that's one of the ways that we're going to have to I mean, it's, it, it reminds me, and actually one, some, one of our friends commented on one of these threads, uh, made a comparison to Woodstock in the sense of like, you know, 40,000 people were there, say the 250,000 people who were there, right? I mean, or the other way around, it's like, everyone's like, I was there, and you know you weren't. Like, well, not that many people actually went, you guys, but every one of our parents all went, whatever it is. And I, but I, I also think that there's a like a lovingness to that, where um, there's a, exactly what you said. It's all an experience, if it's positive or negative. I'm personally happy that the dominant um, thing seems to be positive, but I also have a lot of respect, and I'm definitely keeping an eye on the things that are, if not quite negative, at least sort of non-positive. I think that's, if possible, even more important because anyone can look at a picture like this and understand why it matters. Not that it's, but to go, yeah, that, you know, yes, I get, I get that. I'm not sure. The other stuff's a little bit more complicated. I'm not sure everyone could look at that and say that's what they would get. What that matters. I well, maybe I mean, I mean, like what community. the intention was. Like someone, yeah, I guess you're right. But I mean, in the sense of like, that's a picture of as many working women artists in LA as could be gathered at that time and it's probably intended as a celebration. Yeah. It's something most people can sort of get that it was at least meant to be a good thing. Uh, the other stuff starts to get in a way more interesting because it's more complex. You than you. You're on.
this is a tax-supported institution. We're going to report you to the Civil Rights Commission. They actually recorded their protest in the state legislature. They put so much pressure on the museum that what they got out of that was women artists 1550 to 1950 carried by Linda Nachman and Sutherland Harris. Right. The second thing that happened in 1981 at LACMA, when they had their bicentennial and three exhibitions, very few women artists, almost no artists of color, there was another protest. And the picture masked and there was a group of artists, all of us went to a, a parking lot in downtown LA, an industrial building, for this group shot with holding hammers and paintbrushes and all kinds of tools. And we created a poster called Women Artists Missing in Action. So we carried the poster and we had the women to set where are the women and minorities. And then, then in 1986, the Women's Office for Art organized in 12 cities around the United States something women artists disability event in LA about a hundred people were standing on the steps of City Hall and we had masks uh, that were blank on one side on the other side was the face of a woman artist from history or a current women artist and we sang a song called Now You See Us and it was in the papers and you know, it was, it was, it was, we had a postcard that said uh, Maurice Tuckman had Vision and Neurosis the curator <laughs> And then, so it's it's like this is part of a continuum. Yeah, I do just feel compelled to say that there that the group that this was grown out of is called a research archive, and actually for about the last month or two has been actively soliciting people to include exactly those kinds of photos from throughout history that they exist that they've been part of, and so. Actually, one thing that even that started happening weeks before this picture even was taken, even though it's on Facebook, which is an imperfect platform, but still, um, is actually that exact thing that you're asking for exists, and it's called Be Here Now, a feminist something research archive, and that's the name of the group that actually was the sort of go-to name of the, you know that was Kim created that. And that that research archive was how that initial invitation started getting generated. Which is one of those things that you were just talking which about. Which are coming, yeah, which I definitely are the ancestors of this. I think if this is just, yeah. if people just zero on this event as an isolated event. How can I? they focus in on this as an isolated event that is not part of a continuum that's yes. in the 70s, then you're losing sight of our history. You're losing sight of our foremothers. You're losing sight of the torch that's been passed all up the line and and so um and social media can kind of compress things you need you know if you need some one sentence that's going to describe it all the whole meaning of this one one thing but if you leave out the history you've wiped out everything that women that feminist argument has been trying to do i mean history is there it's on the website yeah, but it, it needs to be in these articles that are being written about this, too. It shouldn't just be on the Facebook page, and people may not just be linked to the Facebook It is, actually. It is all there. All, all the information is there. Okay. You go right to the website. It actually goes through the history, and it probably has some images from those time periods that you were just Yeah, well, I sent Kim the Missing in Action poster, but I, I look at this not only, I look at it not only as a celebration, but as a, it's a protest. It's a protest, and the difference between this and Lachman is Hauser and Word actually gave all these women artists access yeah. to their courtyard. At Lachma, we had to stand outside. At City Hall, we were on the steps. So, and that only took like 35 years, so no <laughs> <Fair> problem. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it, the, the theme for me is that like, women, um, when we work, when we work on a project like this, I worked on the dinner party project as the head of research for the Heritage Floor. Yeah. Painted, I'll paint all those names, 999 names on the floor. Uh, we 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 need to understand that everything women do to move each other forward helps everyone, whether you were at that event or not. Yeah. The fact that this happened and that it's getting coverage, and that you're gonna write, I know, a wonderful article. No pressure. No, I am, and I swear to God, I will include it in the stream of history, I promise.
championship. I didn't. Like, I went. To, I went to Vassar. I will be. Yeah, I'll get a hate mail from my from my professors if I don't do my art history research before I sit down to write this. I was trained that way. No, but in all seriousness, these are all excellent points, and it's very and it's very true. And that's the sort of love hate coin of social media, where on the one hand, potentially infinite dissemination. On the other hand, simplistic, truncated, incomplete information is what might threaten to be infinitely disseminated. And that that's exactly the kind of like shifting terrain we're on right now, like these days, like today, with this picture that's still being kind of processed. But this is, this is yeah. presented as like a social media flashpoint and connected back to that history it will be much more meaningful to about it. It'll show that women have been trying to become more visible for a long time. Well, Sharon showed me a picture that it was somebody had done using like black and white filter on, but also it looked a little, and it looked that first glance like when it, because they happen to be wearing skirts, and it was you know it was black and white. It really looked like a suffragette photo. I mean, I looked at it and it was like that's a hundred year old picture of of your suffragettes. And so I, I it, it was so, and that was, those were, it was from that, it was from this, that day. But, you know, something just about the aesthetic treatment of it and the way the sign was held, kind of at an angle and the font, I don't know. It just, it kind of closed that temporal loop. And I just thought okay, this yeah, really yeah. belongs in that continuum. Yeah, I want to say one last thing that's really creepy. My friend Helen Redman, who I took in on this group in Boulder, Colorado, and then it's called Front Range Women in the Visual Arts. I sent her this picture and she said, wow, she said, that's fantastic. I love that. But when I looked at that sculpture by Jackie Winston, I had this sort of strange feeling about, you know, the witch burnings in the Middle East. <laughs> Except that that sculpture wasn't on fire and general art wasn't tied to it. You know, that's that's so interesting. That is interesting. So this is like a much more positive <laughs> frame of like than what was, we've made a lot of progress in the Middle Ages, obviously. But um, uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you for listening. Oh, thank you. That was amazing. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I also want to say thanks to all the women artists who've come before for your warrior stances for making it possible for us to be artists. And that gratitude and continuity. Really, thank you. Um, and I think that's the point. At first, I want to say this protest word is really interesting. I think if yes. I had been invited to a protest at Kaiser Ward and Schimmel, I would have had a very different ideological presence. I was invited to a group photo of women artists. And I think that distinction and intention that Kim made, um, it's like created a very different kind of environment that was slightly social, even though we were all overheating. But it wasn't a protest in my mind, because I wasn't invited to a protest. I was invi invited to be visible. And I do think there is a distinction there. And it's also, um, back to this idea of protest, it's a really important part that doesn't get seen in this photo. When people ask me, what was the biggest surprise of being there? I said, the majority of people were over 50. And I think I was so struck. I've talked to so many of my students and my students' students about how few women under 30 were there, how few women under 35, very few young people, maybe because they're on Snapchat and they don't use Facebook anymore, possibly. But I've talked to a lot of young women and they said, oh yeah, I went to the beach. That looked cool. Wasn't yeah. my generation. And I, so when I look at that photo, for me, the nuance that's missing is First, I had no idea there were so many women, and I'm over 40, so I remember, you know, but I was so amazed there were so many women, and I felt, because I am very much a sensitive person, the absolute need to be seen by many, many women that I'd never seen before as a woman artist, and, or whose names I did, but I'd never seen their bodies before. And I was really, for, so for me, what was so utterly like upsetting and moving about this event versus a differently organized invitation, like one that might have been public, for example, a choice that Kim deliberately made so we didn't get overwhelmed, but was how did it succeed in attracting so many women over 50, and what was the need, because I don't know, for older generations to be seen in this way because I don't understand that part of it. And I feel like the photo... You will when you're 70. 
Right, right. No, no, and I know, and for me, that's what, when people talk about the story of this photo, it's just this, this utterly, um, it's devastating. But I, I love this photo, and it makes me, like, it makes me, it's joyful, but it also made me really sad to see so many talented, brilliant people that I was learning about them for the first time, and I've been in LA for 15 years, and I, when I teach, I teach feminism, and it just was like, I just felt, I, I, I did not come away from this feeling good. I felt so much grief. That's fascinating. And I, it was to, yeah. to witness so many people who deserved more witnessing along the way, and this, hopefully, I'm mean, gonna have the chills even say this, hopefully this is the beginning of a process that we can talk about who are those women? What what did people make with their lives when they didn't have opportunities to be in the frame? I want to know these stories. And how do we get that information? I don't know who 574 is, but I'm sure this was a beautiful life. And, and, and it's that, that depth of being unseen for so many years that it was really striking. And again, like, why weren't women under 30 there? Like, why weren't, they were very, again, so it would be interesting to really get, you know, we're talking about Nicole Hebron's I would love to know, just with 60% over 50 years old, like, what does that say about what yeah, happened? About the need that as a whole, you can, you can, you can feel that that, that that group must have, you're saying, must have felt in order to go through the process of being at that picture. And I'm with you, it's like, I'm 45, and God knows the world needs another a picture of me on Facebook like it needs a hole in the head. You know what I'm saying? Like there are there are plenty. It's we're all good. There's never another picture of me on the internet. No one will even notice. It's like it's fine. So it's very fascinating for me to hear you say that because it's true. I think there is definitely like no longer if you want to feel like the world sees you, no problem anymore. All you need is a smartphone and an internet connection. And you, you're on blast if that's what you want, and also different meanings of the word "seen." Of course, just seen, like I see you, you're standing there, versus seen as the possessor of a rich life and a deep career. And the feeling of being invisible is not one. It's one that I think is diminishing generationally, which is good. But then. I'm really so moved by your comments because I think that was something that I might have been in danger of missing for the same reasons that you brought it up. I really appreciate okay, just being able to think about that now. I don't know if there's everyone here today, and you were all there. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that to me, it's like, I talked to people, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, a few people do, but like, how do we take this opportunity to connect? Like, is there a possibility of saying, okay, could we, everyone have But if there was a way, you know, again, because it's, it is the great internet divide and the selfie divide. Right, exactly. And that's why tagging. How does this community continue, you know, um, beyond just this photo to create more introduction? That is an excellent question. As someone who's 71 and went through a whole different time period, I want to thank you for what your comments because my heart is just so excited to hear what you're saying because I feel a longing in voice and I feel I have the same longing, you know, so it, it would be great if we could find a way to, I don't know, to connect the generations. There, it's happened, it happens, but you have to make it happen and, and it's important that for us of the older generation to know that you value what we did and that you understand what that history is but we need to understand that you're coming from a different place. You know, to you, it's not the same kind of struggle it was for us. And in a way, that's kind of freeing for us. You know, it's kind of sad, too, because we didn't have that maybe as much as you do. But but it's just, it's all about connecting. It's all about circling back on each other and, and not, losing, not losing touch with the different generations and what our experiences were, because they're all meaningful. I have a burning desire. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
these numbers also reminded me of um, 100 years ago. 100 years ago, uh, in the spring of 1917, Marcel Duchamp opened uh, the first salon of independent artists in New York City. Um, and his, where he was coming from was that the salons of independent artists, studied French, um, was a place that annually would show work by anybody who wanted to show work. And the point of the salon in Paris were for artists to come together and exchange mostly tech talk, you know, in a pre-internet idea, talk about what colors they were using, what they were working on. Um, but it, you had to apply for it. It was, it was open to any artist, but you didn't always get in. And Marcel Duchamp's brother was on the choosing committee and he did not let me descending a stairway into the salon of independent artists in 1914 and Marcel left France. He was so pissed off. And of course it was the main painting um, that uh, started the um, armory show, the new descending staircase, was the thing that actually galvanized uh, modernism in the United States. After that, he decided that to really play with the art historical context he was a part of, he would open a salon of independent artists in New York, and basically anybody who wanted to show work could do so for $15. So $15 covered all of the publicity, the postcards, and everything else, and it was an absolute, like, huge success, and showed all kinds of people who had never been shown before. So I just want to kind of widen the frame just a little bit here to say that yes, uh, there is even a larger frame than the 1970s and the women's building that this piece could be constructed to echo, which is a hundred year narrative that, um, you know, that Marcel Duchamp really kicked off. And it's also the hundred year anniversary of the birth of the artwork the urinal. So, and it's with that artwork, that art history's famous statement that if the urinal is art, then everyone is an artist. So that whole concept that we're a part of is that in a way we determine ourselves as artists by participating and don't necessarily wait for the, signi the signifier of the other to tell us that we're artists. And I think that that's not a new idea, it's 100 years old, and I just think it's important to remember that we have the power to define ourselves as artists, and it's not about Hauser, Worth, and Schimmel, and it's not about other collectors or critics or anything else, it's about your decision to pick up that number. And he, like everybody else, no better, no worse, no more successful or less successful, just a participant, and that's, I think, very much the zeitgeist that we're all working in as artists. Um, for me, the, the experience, um, it's been amazing listening to everybody's different experience. And, um, I'm 43, so I come from, I guess, the cusp. I come from the social media generation, following you know everything, all the comments on social media. Um, and I don't, I was trying to think of how I heard about the event. And I, I remember I sent it to some friends in early August, so I knew about it early. And then when I posted it on Facebook the night before, a bunch of people contacted me and said, hey, what is this? How do I get involved? And I sent them the email. Um, I wanted to be involved because I wanted to belong, you know, as a woman artist. Um, I also am an art historian, and I've taught about Leslie and Suzanne and, um, you know, the dinner party, and so I wanted to be part of the legacy of where they come from, and being in that event and being part of that, I felt like I was creating something that would help the younger artists move forward, maybe, or that would um, be part of the conversation that is hopefully will continue and I you know I hope that and I think that that's what Ken is trying to do also it's I mean there's still a long way to go you know with equality with you know equality of you know women artists of color and that's been all over Facebook too um, 
there was comments about binders of women, and I don't, I don't see that at all as far as the, what the event was. But for me, it, you know, I felt like I, it was that was my tribe, and that was um, I met so many women that you know I've only known on Facebook, and it was just um, it was really emotional and. It was an amazing experience, and it's been sad for me to see the after effect or you know what's come from it. Um, but I think it's also important the conversation and listening to Alexandra and you know hearing what you have to say and um, you know there is this a difference in generation you know um, as far as history goes and where you know the younger women artists are gonna hopefully this is going to empower them and actually that's a word that I've seen a lot over social media is empowerment. A lot of women who were there said that that's how they felt. It empowered them to do something more. And I think that's what's important for me event too. I think Kim would like to hear that I think that's what she wanted. I think she wanted to make something that was the start of something. You know, rather than say the culmination of something, I think she really um, wants it to have its own life and to like go where it goes now, um, to be multiply self-directed by the people that were, you know, that that interacted with it by participating, choosing not to, or in the ways that they're thinking about it now. I think that's the real content of the work, which kind of goes back to exactly what Lauren was saying in the beginning, where when you think about something as social practice, it is, does not exist within the finite confines of an object. It's not, uh, social practice is not, you know, finite. I mean, that's the idea. And it's also not always um, controllable by its instigator. And so it takes a certain kind of fortitude, conceptual fortitude that I do not possess to see that kind of control of your own idea to kind of go, okay, everyone, do what you want with this. I can't wait to see what you do. I mean, that, right? Oh my God. That, you know, no. And so uh, I really, but I feel like there's a kind of um, inclusiveness in that gesture that I, that I appreciate. And I might be biased because I've known Kim and I'm, a, I'm her friend and her fan, but, um, you know, what I think I really love about it is that even though it's in the past, it's still, it's still happening. Like this thing is still going on. It's still being made. Believe it or not, there's still people out there who haven't even heard about it yet. Believe it or not. So, uh, you know, that to me I think is really exciting and I, and I really love what both Alexandra and Lauren had to say and Chris about the idea of now we have this and it's kind of like up to, up to whomever feels so moved to now make of it something that they that they want it to, to be and to keep directing that through participation. You know, and that this could happen in a million kitchens or other people's kitchens, which thank you for that as well. You're very welcoming. You're done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please. I want to make sure everybody has something to say. I keep being glad that this pulled away from me so I don't have to say it. Um, no, I'm, I am 27 and maybe the youngest person in this room. I don't know. And I was not at this event, nor did I know about it before it happened. And so when you asked if any of us felt upset by not being there, I didn't raise my hand, but I was lying. Um, and sort of my experience of this, I'm so glad to hear this conversation really amazing but when I first saw a picture of this I think it was like Sunday evening and I was at home in my pajamas like feeling lonely scrolling through Facebook and I was like what what is that and I think it's what social media does and it's the ultimate example of a fear of missing out and like I'm not in that frame so I don't belong there like and as someone who that seems to be the biggest theme in my life as a young artist. Like, do I even belong in LA? Do I even feel like a woman today? Like, what's going on? Um, and so to, yeah, I've had this visceral reaction of like, oh, yep, yeah, and it was at this fancy commercial place that I'd probably never go to anyway, so of course I didn't know about it. And, well, there's that thing that is, I'm not part of that conversation. So, um, yeah, so that's just, 
my perspective, and I appreciate like this is a really wonderful dialogue. Like, oh, I am part of. It. Here, here we go talking about it now. So. Yeah, thank you. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, very good. That's exactly. And, you know, just to fill in the gaps, Laurelyn has just um, accepted a consultancy with us to work with Charlotte on our special project in archiving on the women's building. So she will be uh, learning quite a lot about the feminist art movement and working with us on reactivating the narrative around the women's building. So. Uh, this is exactly the kind of conversation we're having right now that we think needs to happen, which is intimate around some food, uh, you know, and about generating things for everybody as a result of it, you know? Well done. Well, I, I just want to say that I, I think it's me, it's going to come up, sorry. I think I really appreciate going that you're saying this is like a concrete step, I think. One of the things that often happens with well-made groups is we don't have concrete steps. Um, I'm um, on the board of directors of a really wonderful group called the Women's Center for Creative Work. Um, it's an incredible group. I know Lauren. Well, Metabolic Studio supports it. So. Metabolic Studio supports it. And it's part of our uh, philanthropy around the Women's Building Project. So. so it's a really, really wonderful fit. And the reason I bring it up is that the Women's Center for Creative Work is a place where you can go and make a proposal for an activity or an event. Um, that is what it's for. Um, it's a very, very welcoming place for people, for women, women identified. I mean, there is everything from Knit flicks, which you knit while you met with them. Yeah, it's a thing. To, um, there's feminist acting classes, I got to know. And also, uh, Femme Pump Yoga. Femme Pump Yoga. But I think that would be really interesting, and I wish I could organize everything, but I'm just putting it out there that there is this wonderful group that is a, a stage set place where a conversation for this could continue. So I think it would be really interesting to organize. So if anyone wants to be in touch with me, um, I'm very reachable. It's you first. I don't know. But the Women's Center for Creative Work would be cool to propose something there. That's a great idea. I'll work that in. The, the beauty of the internet. I mean, the beauty of internet publishing is hyperlinking. Hyperlinking. Oh my God. Because then you. The person doesn't have to do anything. No, they don't have to look it up. They don't have to go to the library. They don't have to write it down somewhere else and remember later. You're already there. Click, bam, and your information's right there. And so as much as obviously that's like a whole other like doctoral thesis conversation about the internet and access to the internet as a frame of things because first you need to be able to go online with like something like a device that maybe you know okay but assuming we can all go online that's the beautiful way to do it because i can link to the women's building i can link to uh, the different archives on the different platforms and i can mention that and i think that's a really great you know that's the thing it's like there's so there, there's something to be done so even for the people who felt uh some version of left out or excluded or just sad to have had to miss it for life reasons. Um, there are other things that will keep happening. It's not something that's over and you missed it and thanks for playing. It's like there are people there who are continuing that kind of outreach and that kind of invitation to keep it going and if you have an idea to, you know, to see it produced. So that's, um, that's, that's what's next, I guess, right? Now you have to have a big picture when you read, when you open the, you know that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, when the whole sort oh, okay, of sure. yeah, you're, you know, you're going to have to stage another one. Uh, that's an interesting, an interesting question. I was, I was actually thinking about in the history of photography, when they would do group photos, they would often do it as a composite. So they would use, they would use numbers of, in order to develop a series of still photos slot in. Yeah. So I was thinking how interesting it would be to actually make a giant composite picture that actually included everyone living or dead that ever had anything to do with this dialogue, you know? Um, and you know, that was, and 
make up for them all, you know. <laughs> you are in charge of that, Gloria. Yeah, that's yeah. putting you on the first job. But it, it is interesting that that's how composite images were built around the numbering system as well. Because you couldn't usually get that many people to a space at once. So right. a lot of pictures of like from Chicago World's Fair, the women's building at the I don't know many people here do know about the big exhibition at the Chicago World Fair in 1893. It was the first big collection of women's work and it was massive and everything burned down in the fire. But ultimately. But they have big composite images of that that photographers took over a period of months. Um, layering people who were there and not there into the photo so there's a big crowd scene that was not taken in an opening. So I was reading about how they how they did that and it's basically typography. They would have these numbers in the negative, and then you cut the paste right on top of it in the dark room. Wow. I didn't, so we didn't have to go? No. <laughs> we didn't have to get sunburned. We didn't have to find parking. What's interesting is somebody could say that that never happened. Somebody could say that was conceptual artwork where the artist put a bunch of numbers in the courtyard and then cut and pasted for friends. I'm not saying that that's what happened. No, I think you but are. In terms of the, I heard her say that. And in terms of the history of art, it could be construed that way. If it, if it's it, definitely tied to that. If it were a yeah. photo, it would definitely be historically ambiguous, too, rather than a digital image. Because, you know, I know they had a hospital photo. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see what wow. that image looked like and to play with that idea. Did you hear about this great work that didn't happen? Because I saw that in your title and I was like, I wonder if she's going to take this into did it happen at all? Was was this was this image actually a composite? And it was made up by artists that are interviewed in this archive and here's the link to their stories. And That's fascinating. No, uh, when, we, when we were thinking of the title, we were thinking of it more like the social media generation, because that's what you say to each other. It's like, you're gonna go have some adventures, like pictures or it didn't happen, everybody wants pictures. It's like, everything is proof, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and then that's a whole other conversation about the truth of photography and all that, but that it's, we're such a, a visual culture that like, for example, Nicole's Gallery Tally Project the information is what's salient, but the visual component, the expression of it in the form of artist-made posters, is what got the traction. Yeah. Because that's you know more than we're a visual species, but we are an exacerbatedly visual moment in our culture. And so it's sort of like somebody could have made a list that would have been more thorough, but it wouldn't and more complete potentially, but it would lack the impact of a picture mm -hmm. that happened. So all of that is, um, yeah, yeah. I, one of the other really interesting things is like, we all know that everything on TV is real, right? Yeah. And that's what happens in Hollywood. But and not to mention the internet where everything's it's all real. real. So you you also bring up the, oh, this, oh yeah. <laughs> this, um, this idea that, you know, is this, an artifact of something that really happened or is it a construction of an archive it's you know with even title of the work being about an archive it could be construed historically that this was a construction it would it would typologically be accurate so it's important to also widen the frame to talk about composite photos of uh, big collections of people in the history of photography and the fact that the producer of the work intended this to be connected to a collection. So, you know, I, I think that that's an interest, there's an interesting uh, ambiguity there. And I also wanted to just say from a personal experience, it's so different to be in a space than it is to uh, like something in an image on social media that you're participating in. So when I like something in social media, I feel a sense of buy-in and participation and I kind of cheer the project on if I follow it or but to actually 
be in a space with people and to, you know, feel them there and feel their, uh, you know, human energy in a space means something really different for me, especially in Los Angeles and especially in an area that's been devoid of a lot of life for a really long time. So just having that many human beings on a Sunday in social space was a, um, before the narrative even begins, <laughs> was an experience that we're getting on our new site, what we call the moon, on Sundays with the Korean church. So basically it's empty all week long, all the way around us, and then on Sunday there's a city that arrives. It's packed. So I thought of that as an interesting thing about downtown LA and uh, working hours and not working hours and like congregation in a, in a space on a Sunday morning and kind of another interesting unspoken reality. So I think we should probably um, tie this up for today. You, go, um, you ladies have a walk to go. Yeah, we're going to meet at the meet on the at the map, and it, it, for anybody's interested. But I personally am kind of finished. <laughs> I think this was uh, a lot today, and my yeah. brain is uh, actually uh, hurting. So I'm going to let Lou and and uh, Lily take the tour. I'm going to go back to work, but I'll, I will meet you over at the uh, map. And thank you, Shana, so much for oh, thank you. sharing. Explorers Club session. For more information, please visit metabolicstudio.org. And thank you.